another episode of Citing the Tone in ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 8, Episode 14, which is titled The Simple Twist of Fate, sponsored by the Hardy Bros. The uh, episode aired on September. The episode aired on September. The episode aired on February seventh, two thousand and two. Lauren, what was going on that week? Twenty-one years ago. First off, what was the Hardy Boys reference? Uh, Matt Hardy, his finishing move is the twist of fate. Thank you. Okay. Uh, headlines. And Je- Jeff sometimes used it too. In Super Bowl thirty-six, the New England Patriots defeated the St. Louis Rams twenty to seventeen, after Patriots kicker Adam Vinatieri hit a 48-yard field goal as time expired to seal the win. Patriots quarterback Tom Brady is named MVP, and Daniel looked surprised that I maybe got that name right. Um, (laughs) I was like, halfway through the sentence, I was like, oh no, she's going to have to pronounce that name, and it's a sports name. (laughs) And she actually, like, 9 out of 10 got it right. I'll take it. Close enough. Uh, Blackhawk Down holds on to the top spot at the box office for its third and final week, and You Got It Bad by Usher remains the number one song, and God, I need to add that to my Amazon playlist right now before I forget about it again. But what Daniel, what else? Daniel. Oh, you got no. to do it. While while Lauren is adding that to her playlist, uh, at 8 p.m., friends with the episode The One with the Birthing Video. Uh, uh. No thank you. No thank you. Uh, at 8.30, a Friends rerun, 9 p.m., Will and Grace with the episode A Chorus Lie, and at 9.30, Just Shoot Me with the episode About a Boy. This week's episode had 27.3 million viewers tuning in, directed by Chris Chulock doing his 20th out of 43. Uh, last time we saw him was last season's Rescue Me. Uh, and written by Jack Orman doing his 23rd out of 28, and his previous ones from this season include Beyond Repair, Partly Cloudy Chance of Rain, The Longer You Stay, and Four Corners. And we have no Romano, and even though he's not technically part of the main cast just yet, uh, no Gallant this week either. All right, and with that being said, to contradict what Daniel just said, we do have the previously on by Romano. He's not actually in the episode, Ah. but we do have that. Uh, we start out with a snowy ambulance bay panning down into the lounge where we see Susan fast asleep. Uh, Lydia wakes her up. Yay, Lydia. Uh, we learn she's been asleep since 1.30 and she has to get up because there's an animal attack from the zoo coming in in 15 to 20 minutes. Susan isn't actually back on until noon, but Carrie needs her now because Mark isn't in. And uh, Frank is arguing with Carrie about getting bagels and cream cheese from pharmaceutical promoters. Carrie says that this is why costs get passed down to the consumer. So everybody's trying to eat these bagels and cream cheese and Carrie is telling them no. But Susan calls to check on Ella's status. Carrie gives her an updated admit. And uh, Susan's like, I gotta go home. I need a break. And Carrie says, all night was your choice. Welcome to management. And Carrie rants to Susan about the bagels and... Frank's Frank said like Susan's like I gotta go home and change underwear I will be back but I need to go freshen up whatever and Frank says if I stick with the underwear I've got on can we at least keep the food out I'm so happy we've we're we're getting to like peak Frank now and I'm so excited I can't remember if uh, we talked about this, if, if it would have been during the Synergic storyline or if it would have been way back in season one with Diana Farrell. Uh, but uh, my mom worked my entire childhood, basically, uh, you know, until she retired and uh, she worked in a doctor's office. 
And my favorite day of ever was drug rep day. Like yeah. drug rep day was my favorite thing because we always got leftovers brought home with like bagels or, you know, did like food from some restaurant or something. And it was like one of those things that I just took as a complete like innocent thing as a child that like looking back on it now and I'm like, oh, that's really like sleazy and gross. But, you know, at the time it was just like, ooh, free shit. Yeah, I remember gotta you love, mentioning that. Gotta love free shit. All right, uh, let's take let's take the mood down a notch uh, with our first audio clip here. We're gonna go up to the pick you with Lizzie and Mark. It's all right. It's all right. You can't titrate a little bit. Zed says she won't remember. Well, any benzo decreases your ventilatory drive. And do it. But if you're going to allow the sedation to wear off, you have to be ready to go. Well, I need to warn you, extubation's a leap of faith with little ones. I can't do a niff. Peep's under two, CO2's normal. <clears throat> Let's go. Okay. Have the ambu bag ready. Disconnecting the vent. And tape is clear. And tube suction. Oh, come on, Ella. Big cough, big cough. She's not breathing. Blow by O2. Give her time. Give her time. Break up an airway box, drop a milligram of midazolam. Mark. Come on, Ella. Positive pressure now. No, wait. That's a happy sound. Go, baby Ella. Little Ella Tiberius Green. Yep. So I do Finally. have... Go ahead. I'll say... Never mind. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I do have to note, due to our recording change and how we're set up, I forgot I have to hit play on my own clips now. It took me a minute <laughs> to go, oh, I need to do something here. Yeah, I got to turn my own video on. You got to turn your... Push your own clip buttons. Ha ha. It's, it's too hard. Day. But yes, also, yay Ella. Sweet baby Ella. And, and just at the very tail end of that clip there, you hear the very dulcet tones of the twinkles bringing us into the intro in a decidedly, like, not very twinkly episode. Like, let's... Right? Is there, yeah, is there maybe... a bummer of an episode. Yeah. Is there is there maybe a more mismatched uh, example of twinkles and uh, the content of the episode? Like, this is I mean, one, of, one of the few <laughs> uplifting moments of the episode is what takes us into the intro. Yeah, I was going to say, if you're going to have to pick a scene out of the episode to... Out of the beginning of this episode, you definitely put the twinkles yeah. with that one because yay Ella, yay! But, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, as we as we said, we came in with a rare appearance this season of the Twinkles coming out of the intro to Abby asking uh, Joyce if Brian's car is still there. Uh, so Joyce is. Uh, staying with Abby, it seems. Uh, Joyce is going to confront. She's planning on confronting him at his study group, and she asks if she can stay with Abby until he leaves. Uh, she wants to have him go to anger management, uh, presumably. Uh, and you know, so it's just she's in the process of trying to leave. Basically, uh, Abby goes to leave to go to work uh, and reminds uh, Joyce on her way out the door to keep the door locked, which becomes a little bit important later in the episode. Uh, 
Abby leaves, and Brian confronts her in the hallway. And I, I've been no like I've known this was coming since the beginning of the season, but it didn't prepare me for it in the slightest. Like I still like watch this episode with just like a knot in my stomach the entire time, because it's just awful. Uh, but then we see uh, Susan and Mark talking about Ella's status, and he uh, thanks Susan for covering for him. That zoo trauma we heard about finally comes in. A uh, man was bit by a sloth. <laughs> Uh, How does that I just, even happen? Right? They seem like such uh, docile creatures. I love how uh, like nobody knows what a fucking sloth is. They're like, oh, it's a monkey. It's not a monkey! <laughs> like... This is uh, this episode is a little bit notable in the sense that, like, uh, there's not a... I didn't get a single, like, oh, hey, it's that guy. Like, I didn't right? pull anybody this episode. It is just... The people we already know, and we're saying goodbye to a few of them this episode, and we'll get into that as we go along, but like all of the like ancillary characters that, that pop into this episode, uh, none of them were really notable in any way. So it was just like, I, I can't remember when the last time it was that that happened. Um, but we then see Chen talking to Mark about Ella, and she mentions that she didn't file the mandatory reporting of ecstasy with the chart. So And Mark, Mark kind of like brushes it off and quickly is like, oh yeah, I'll do it. And you can see as he's riding in the elevator that he's having the realization that, oh, shit, like, Rachel's going to be in some legal trouble, too. Yep. Good thing her mom's a lawyer. She just made partner, did you hear? Yeah, exactly. (sighs) Uh, But Mama Carter is upstairs with Mickey, and he calms her down that something is taking so long because the shift change. I think it's his IV bag is run Mm -hmm. dry or something, and the thing is beeping. Uh, Carter's talking to the oncologist and they're going to move him to a treatment room but he, they said his bone marrow is almost completely leukemia cells Oof. yeah so they can't do another marrow transplant uh, it's as much and Carter says it's tells his mom is it's, it's as much luck as science involved at this point I love how uh, waspy and out of touch uh, Mama Carter is that uh, the kid has to explain to her what a shift change is. Right. Like the, co- the concept of shift work is foreign to her. So <laughs> this this dying child has to explain to this like out of touch white woman what it is that shift work is and how it works. Uh, but then we go down to Susan is treating a woman who... It took me a minute. I just forgot what the storyline was in reading it. I like I I just died a little bit. Uh, so Susan is treating a woman who sucked a man's wedding ring off. And uh, she goes, oh, he's afraid that his wife will notice his wedding ring is missing. So clearly she's a sex worker. Good for her. She's she's getting good money. Um, she she's goes to leave. Person, what? Because she's also a little person because ha ha little people. I don't think she's played as a punchline at all. I think she's just played know. as any other sex worker would be. Yeah, they like, definitely don't call attention to it as like a no. gag, but I, but I do think there is an element, Lizzie, of the shock a, factor. A, well, a sight gag. Like I yeah. think it's yeah. the I think it's the visual of it that is meant to be the punchline in and of itself. And I'm glad they don't go the extra length to like go like, hey, the little person, you know, like they don't like go out. I feel like if this was an R. Scott Gemmel episode, they would have gone the extra length to be like, hey, not only is this a sex worker, but it's a little sex worker because that makes it funny. Like they would have really spelled it out. <laughs> Oh, goodness. But anyway, um, she goes to leave, and he's like, you need an endoscopy or to wait for it to pass. We got to find out where it is. And we we learn Yosha's had it out because he's not feeling well. And um, 
Susan goes, well, how much would you charge to stick a tube down your throat? And the woman looks at her and she goes, huh, okay. Like, maybe she's she's good with this after all. But then we also see Frank uh, down sick too, puking into a bin in the hall. And Susan goes, oh, no, you too? And Frank goes, well, I'm not praying. Just, mm. just I ain't praying. Just so good. Just, lots of lots of really gross vomit sound foley work, true. but not really like like. And again, this is another product of like watching on bigger screens and stuff. But like, the, the, they could have done a little bit more work to hide Frank's face that there was no vomit coming out that he's just making the noises. I mean, you could make the you could say you could make the assumption he's just dry heaving. Sure. Yeah, you could make that uh, make that argument. This this episode, and and I'm not necessarily complaining about it. It was just kind of a trend that I noticed, both with with this little patient here and and the one we're about to talk about. This episode has a lot of hanging threads. Like this episode has a lot of patients where we're gonna talk to them for a little bit. They're gonna start seemingly start a storyline or start a, a through line, and then they just kind of drop it. Yep. Like. This is one, arguably this one is the most complete because you kind of did your punchline and, and we move on. But like the next one is kind of a hanging thread. There's another one later in the episode that's a hanging thread. It's just kind of like a little bit of a pattern. And I wonder if that was intentional or if it was just a product of the way they wrote the episode. Yeah, very good questions. But taking that into our next uh, patient that we don't see after this scene, uh, Susan is talking to a younger girl named Valerie. She had her period two months ago, and her older sister just had a baby. Hmm, another teen pregnancy potentially. And at this point, Abby gets a call from Joyce, and she tells her to come to the ER right away and get her apartment key. So, huh, stuff's not good for Joyce. We'll find out more in a minute. And stuff is not particularly good upstairs in the PICU uh, because Ella isn't eating. So let's uh, listen in to see what happens there. Maybe she's not hungry. She hasn't had anything in 12 hours. Come on. 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 Come where is she? Home. Catherine stayed over. Did they charge her with anything? Who? The police. No. What did they do? You didn't tell them, did you? I wasn't the attending physician. Mark, she was in possession of a controlled substance that could have killed our daughter. She wasn't trying to hurt her. There's just three pills. I don't think they're gonna waste a lot of time on it. Waste a lot of time? You know what I mean. <laughs> you're already making excuses for her. No, I'm not. Well, I'm... you're certainly not doing anything, are you? Well, what would you like me to do? You, you want me to have her arrested? Think Rachel should go to juvenile hall? You think that'll make things better? I want you to do something. You haven't even bloody well called her mother. Well, I've been a little busy. There's a Ella. phone. She's in court all day. No, no, you're avoiding. Even now, you're refusing to deal with a problem that you should have handled way before this ever had a chance of happening. Are you blaming me for this? Oh, damn it. Uh, her stomach's just upset. The lack of communication these two have, have had since they got married, is insane. Like, it's... I, ha I hate to say it, but do these two even like each other? Because the only, the only thing we ever see with them 
almost since they got married is them bickering. We never see them like just have a normal relationship. And yes, I know bickering is sometimes part of a relationship, but we never see them have a balanced relationship. Mm-hmm. After it's it's basically it's it has basically been a series of like uh like crisis fights things or like full on crisis things like you know uh the guy uh, at the end of season seven like almost <laughs> almost coming after uh, Lizzie and Ella and you know like or Lizzie's thing with the the uh, guy who got paralyzed and like there's just all this like. They're always in like crisis. Like there, there's so so little just purely happy moments. Other than I guess when Ella's born, you know that's kind of the only moment that has. And any when sort they actually of... finally get married. Well, right, but since they got the married, I mean, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know, and I don't know how I feel about uh, Elizabeth's point here. I mean, I get that Elizabeth is upset, you know, but I also kind of get where Mark is coming from too. It's like I, you're you're sort of putting him between a rock and a hard place there. And not to now, I love a good shit on Mark Green moment. Like, let's not forget. <laughs> like, I am, I am all about shitting on Mark Green whenever well, possible. Not time to do it. I know, as as a as a father and or husband, like, there's plenty to gripe about when it comes to this guy. But in this particular instance, I'm sort of like, what is he supposed to do? Like, what is the right answer here? I don't know that there is one. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one, but and yeah, again, rock in a hard place, and I just think it's. It's hard because, you know, he also probably doesn't want to admit to Jen that shit's gone sour. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that's... He's failed as a father. I I don't know. I'd go so far as to say failed, but that he he couldn't keep uh, Rachel out of trouble the same way that Jen was. Yeah. Granted, Rachel Rachel may have done this when she was with Jen, too, and just she hadn't gotten to this point yet. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure that this didn't happen stuff like this didn't happen with with jen because otherwise jen wouldn't have been like okay no you take her i think that yeah. was just because they were arguing all the time because she was becoming a crappy teenager because she was starting to pull stuff like this could be either and way it just escalated until an infant almost dies anyway jesus <laughs> anyway um I anyway just, i wish we had more of mark and lizzie actually having like a fulfilling rounded relationship Mm -hmm. instead of just this yeah it just reinforces for me what i thought you know when the relationship first starts is that my my memories of it was that like there were points where i was just like oh this doesn't this doesn't feel and and i you know i when we when we saw the beginning of the relationship i was more like I was like, okay, well, maybe I was wrong about this, or maybe I like misjudged it. And now I'm starting to remember why I came away with that impression because they never really show you much of them being happy together. Like they really just show you a lot of the negativity and the the chaos and stuff and the crisis. So I don't know. It's I mean, it is a drama show, of course. But of course, it is balance, right? I mean, <laughs> Jen Jen Green is a perfect example of that. We talked about that when you know we get way back at the very beginning like they they didn't exactly go out of their way to ever show Jen's perspective of things and show you know the dichotomy there so i mean obviously elizabeth is a more significant character than jen ever was but uh they still kind of they still focus on kind of the negative stuff sometimes yeah but in any event we go from there frank is leaving for the day finally calling out sick uh he is called for reinforcements which at first i got excited and then i was like no it's too early for that 
and then I was <laughs> and and I was like, it can't be. Maybe it can. We'll see. Uh, the bagels and cream cheese, it seems like, is what's made everyone sick. So uh, we then go uh, check in on Abby, who is uh, heading over to her apartment and sees Joyce beat to shit on the steps. Uh, she is covered in blood. Uh, she tries to like play it off and is like, oh, it's not that bad. I just need to get inside. I'm freezing. And she's like, no, you need to go to the hospital. You need to get x-rays. Uh, so, oh, boy. Not not great um yeah this this episode is a lot uh did we mention trigger warning at the top of the episode we probably should oh fuck (laughs) because yeah uh we then go back to the trauma room where susan is working on the sloth trauma with malik he's feeling sick too uh they're reinflating the guy's lung and then carrie bursts in and is like I gotta go. I'm sick now too, which is a one delightful little bit of levity from this episode that I do enjoy. <laughs> I love how uh, Susan's like, really? The bagels? You ate, you ate the bagels? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Carter's upstairs asking Babcock for help uh, with Mickey and because Mickey's coughing up blood and Mama Carter's just begging them to help him. But she bails with her. Uh, she bails because things are getting too hard. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and Carter confronts her and she says, I can't see him in that kind of pain. Not again. And he yells, he yells at her quite a bit for getting Mickey's hopes up that he won't be alone. So. Hmm. And this it's scene fine. right here marks the end of one Mr. Carrie Tiberius Weaver after like, I don't know, 19 episodes. I think uh, he's been, he's been with us in one form or another since um, I think 1998. So um quite a while and this is his last appearance ever does this qualify as a bob because i feel like it does i think so so that'll be on the that'll be on the count at the end of the season uh no more mr carrie weaver we hardly knew ye. oh yeah okay i guess yeah i guess i would consider that a bob i because i don't know how we would have a send-off for this kind of character because he's so tertiary yeah, but. well, especially when they, I mean, just earlier this season, they tried to give him, like, a storyline that we could have facilitated an, an a real exit with, and they chose not yeah. to. They yeah, gave him a department transfer, with- and then he fucked out into the void. But yeah, then we, the next patient that's brought in is a girl who was alone at an all-you-can-eat buffet. She started wheezing at the restaurant. Her name is Ariel. Uh, Susan tells Mark to go upstairs and be with Lizzie and that she's got it down here. Like she basically says what Lizzie said, you're avoiding, go upstairs, be with your wife. Um, and we learn Ariel was eating shrimp and lobster, which, yeah. All right. I'm down. That's, but, I but, get it. Surf and surf. But um, buffet shrimp and lobster. Is I do it question. anyway. Whatever. Yeah. The, the uh, quality is going to be questionable. Independent buffet of allergies. Shrimp, I could probably be okay with buffet lobster is, is you're pushing it. Questionable. Yeah. But um, Mark's, you know, obviously thinking it's allergies. He's in the trauma with Susan. He's ordering meds and he blanks on solumedrol when putting the orders in. And we could chalk mm. this up to stress. He's had a long couple days. But Susan again, like she notices and she goes, go be with your wife. Go be upstairs. Like, And it could just be the, the benefit of hindsight, uh, you know, reading into it uh in a certain through a certain lens but like to me it doesn't seem like they make any effort whatsoever to dress it up as anything other than what it is no not at all 
Like they, but with the music and the framing yeah. and like it just the way that it, it is shown, I think like I, I feel like the intended message is like this ain't stress. Like it yeah. immediately is like clear what is happening. Like they can leave the stress there as a red herring, but they know we're all thinking it. Right. But when Susan tells him to go upstairs again, he's like, no, I need a distraction. I need to be down here. But um, but then we see Abby in curtains with Joyce while she's getting an x-ray. And Joyce is listing all the reasons why Brian is great and how they're in love. And, you know, he's her best friend 95% of the time. And she says he becomes a different person and then I become a different person. And... She's like, and he still, you know, he still needs to, you know, I didn't get a chance to give him his ultimatum, which Abby responds, it looks like he answered your ultimatum. Well, let's go to more happy news. Uh, let's go up to the picky once again. Uh, Corday's on the phone trying to get LZEG read. Yeah, well, how long is that going to take? Look, this isn't just any patient. This is my daughter. Yeah, call another neurologist if you have to. I want that EEG read. smiled at me. That's good, right? She's smiling? Yes. That's good. I was thinking about taking one at a party. They're in my bag. I forgot about it. I'm so sorry. I know there's nothing I can do to make it right. You can leave. You can pack up your things and leave my house. I have to call my mom. Then call her. Boof. Okay, I'm about to make a real nerdy comparison here before we actually talk about how important this scene is. Uh, anybody else getting big Catelyn Stark, Jon Snow energy from how much uh, Lizzie hates Rachel right there? No, just me? Okay, um... Is it appropriate for Lizzie to ask this without Mark in the room to kind of referee? 1,000%. Okay. 1,000% it is? Yeah, 1,000% it is. Mm, I, I don't think, know. I mean, I think she's she's not wrong to want no, woman no, I don't. I don't think she's. I don't think she's wrong to want it. Her other child out of the house. No, yeah. but Lizzie, put it in perspective this way: that would be like Irv kicking me out. Yeah, I, I don't but think she's. I don't think almost, she's but you wrong. Didn't almost kill a cat. Or something no, like no, that. but but think about it. When you look at it that way, of the step parent doing this. Yeah. Like. Well, not to mention that, like, when, you know, blended families come together, like, especially when they're you're you're still talking about actual children and not adult children. Like right. you're talking you're talking about still people that are still under the age of eighteen. Like, they blend all the parts together. Like, you have to take... You can't just pick and choose which parts you want to take on. And so, like, even if Lizzie doesn't have any sort of maternal feelings towards Rachel, she still technically, like, has to... I feel like has to treat her a certain way, or at least with a certain level of, you know, consideration. And I just, like... I don't think she's wrong for wanting it. I just think she's wrong for voicing it, especially directly to Rachel in the way she does it. Like, I think that if you want her out of the house, 
have that conversation, but have that conversation with Mark or at the very least with Mark and Rachel at the same time. Don't yeah, just tell her do to, it to Rachel while she's to clearly to, trying to make amends. And to tell her to just go call her mom. Yeah. Like, like that's not okay. Yeah. I, I, it's, I still, I just don't, I don't blame Lizzie. I don't blame her, but I'm just yeah. saying, I don't think it was appropriate. Yeah. And, and it, but it does lead to, um, one of my favorite, like I, like I was just saying earlier, I love to give Mark shit, but it does actually lead to a really good Mark line in a bit that I'm a huge fan of. So we'll get to that, but it's just, yeah, it's a little, maybe, maybe not now. Like you, I think she lets the emotions get the best of her in that situation. I mean, it's a very emotional situation. Oh, it is. Of course it is. Yeah. This all would have been solved if Mark had just sent her to boarding school like three weeks ago. I guess so. Yeah, that is that is true. No ecstasy at boarding school, right? Well, at least uh, not around her his infant daughter. <laughs> well, one would hope. Uh, we then uh, go down. Uh, Abby is asking Susan about uh, sutures for Joyce. Uh, Susan is uh, noticeably swamped with how the ER is. Uh, we see Bowser from accounting in the background running admit. Uh, and uh, Ariel's parents have shown up and are uh, advised of her allergy. And this was the point where I was like, okay, so it is too early for the thing. Okay. They they just got some nameless schmuck in the background. Great. It's such a good fake out. It is. It is such a good fake out. Um, we then see Rachel telling Mark uh, that she talked to Jen and that it's fine. Like, Rachel, for her part, is very, like, conciliatory and is just like, hey, no, I get it. Like, pfft bitch wants me gone i'm gone like she's not like she's not trying to fight or argue about this like she knows she fucked up and she knows elizabeth has every right to be mad at her so um you know she's like jen's gonna buy the tickets mark just has to get her to the airport and mark's in the middle of trying to soothe her and then bites the ever loving fuck out of his tongue uh and draws uh, hard enough that he draws blood and yeah ugh awful just I've not awful. done that in quite a while i've done uh, that yeah i did it just a few weeks ago like i was chewing gum and like just caught it just right and it like swelled up the next day and like affected my speech granted okay yeah. the only time i've done that is when i was unconscious thanks epilepsy but i've done it and it sucks but yeah usually usually when i bite something when i bite my tongue or something like when i'm chewing gum i'm more likely to, like bite like the inside of my cheek and then yeah. pop a canker sore like yeah it's it's not fun any way you slice it uh we then go back to uh ariel's parents who say that she's gained 15 pounds in the last month uh and they can't stop her from eating uh susan says that she will send in a nutritionist to try to help who else saw the end of this storyline coming because i spotted it from here uh, I mean, yeah, not really. No, I didn't. I mean, I, I was, I, w- I guess maybe I, I've done too many of these at this point where I was watching it and I was just going like, I was trying to predict your takes about this storyline as I was watching it. Like I was, tr- I was trying to predict how Lauren was going to react to the like, uh, the fat kid story. The the fat kid story. Yeah, it, it's like combines your two least favorite things, like preco- no, precocious one, um, children and fat shaming. This one actually, I'll, I'll get to it. There's a scene in a minute here that will I can go in more in depth with how I feel about this. Right. But yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, do I ha- do I have to talk about? I this? mean, I can I'm, if I'm, you want to take the next no, part. No, no. You're you're the big Mark Green stan. Uh, 
Uh, I hate it. Uh, so Susan asks Mark what happened and has him stick his tongue out, but he can't stick it out straight. S- sticks it, uh, sticks it, and I believe it goes like from our perspective, it goes to the left. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah. I think yeah. it's to the right. It is. It's to the it. No, because he bit his. She says that he bit his tongue on the right side and that she can't see it. Mm. So, um, he sticks it out to his, to the left because, to, or to to our left as the audience yeah. because yeah. she can't. Susan can't see the right side of his tongue. Yeah. Yeah, and she's like, "What the hell? Like, I'm I am sticking it out straight." And Susan panics and tells him just to keep applying pressure. And it's like, "Oh fuck." Oh, fuck. He goes into the bathroom, checking his facial muscles, and and we see him seeing for himself that his tongue won't stick out straight. And great shot, a great shot of him splashing his face. How do you, I wonder how you get a shot like that. Do you just have like a tiny camera that you No, I'm I'm pretty sure, yeah. Put it like underneath and probably have like in a clear bowl or whatever. Right. Or like. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, they do a full blown like sink cam like, and yeah. I'm pretty sure they just put the faucet over a clear like, you know, uh, plastic uh, shell uh, over the camera yeah. basically. Either way, it looks really it re- looks it's a really good shot um, of just him splashing water on his face in a panic, and the poor paper towel holder <laughs> just gets more abuse. The, the paper towel holder is the real victim here. Yep. And then, hey, Luca's back. Uh, we see him asking Susan why he didn't, why she didn't call for backup, and she says, "What do you think you are?" We learn he just flew back in like the day before, or like even twelve hours ago. Who knows? Very recently, um, we hear that Joyce has an eye fracture, an orbital fracture, and Susan tells Abby to just pass it on to Luca. Abby gets Luca to up to speed on what's been going on with Joyce, and then we go over to Susan giving Mark a more like basic neurology check just to see his facial symmetry and stuff um he's worried that it is a recurrence of the cancer she thinks it might just be stress because of course she's hoping that she didn't see what it was like when he had the cancer the first time and how the tumor was so she she's like yeah maybe it's just stress like she hasn't been there with us she doesn't know how bad this was um and then a motor vehicle accident comes in and the kid's injured, and Mark yells at the dad for having the kid in the front seat, which, again, is echoes to us of how irrational he was with patients last season. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just a clear throughout. They do the music again, and Susan looks on concerned. Like, that's not like him. Um, and then we see Abby yells at one of the float nurses for taking her break at the admit desk. Like, the woman's like, kind of like Rhonda. Like, I'm entitled to a break. Which is true. <laughs> Doesn't matter how busy you are. You do you are entitled to your break. Take your breaks, people. Yep. Um and then Brian shows up, uh-oh, and is yelling at Abby asking where Joyce is because he knows that she's involved cuz she can't keep her nose out of things. And she's like, "Yeah, Joyce is here. She's talking to the police." And Luca comes out and interrupts. Just is like, "Hey, what's going on here? How are you?" There is What's a up? there is a very nice little uh, back and forth between Abby and Luca, like when she's presenting Joyce's chart to him, you know, and it's like she's like, oh, I thought I would get a postcard and that kind of stuff. Like, so there is some yeah. like cute little back and forth banter there that I was I was here for. 
absolutely. They're they're getting back to good friend territory here. Yeah. All right, and then we go back uh, down to the trauma rooms. Mark is working on the MVA, where Susan's there to keep an eye on him. But uh, let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Corday Bussin asking why Bussin asking why uh, he didn't get her page about the EEG. Mark, can you get uh, gentamycin ophthalmic from the pharmacy? Did you get my page? Uh, I got a page from neurology. Yeah, I was in neurology looking at your daughter's EEG. You got this. Yeah. Let's go to the facial burnt at your spine. Any spikes or sharp waves? Nope. Normal K-complexes and spindles throughout. Good, good. That's a good sign. Yeah, for now. You missed the consult. I thought you were only going to be down here for half an hour. Uh, they got swamped down here. Swamped? Yeah. What? Your daughter's in the PICU, Mark. Yeah, breathing yeah, on her own. Run away and you leave it all up to me. Look, you know what? I'm going to go home, I'm going to shower, I'm going to change my clothes, okay? Be careful, because the evil daughter's there waiting for me. Just go upstairs and sit with your baby. You told her to leave. She asked me what she could do. You serious? I'm perfectly serious. I can't do that. Can't do what? can't turn her away, not now. What has to happen, Mark? Does she actually have to succeed in killing her? Elizabeth. No, no. This time, I'm doing something. She's out. I am not choosing between my two daughters. You don't have to. I'm choosing for you. And what am I telling her by letting you ship her away? That she needs to grow up. That she needs to take responsibility. That what she does has very real consequences for people besides herself. She realizes that. Do you think she would actually hurt Ella again? Either she's out of the house by the time I take that baby home, or I'm not taking that baby home. Hold on. Calm down. Take a breath before you she's start She's my child, Mom! I know that. She's mine, too. Then start acting like it. Hashtag Team Lizzie. I, I I know I'm on the wrong side of history on this no, one. No, I think but... plenty of people would agree with you. I'm just, as a stepkid. Yeah, it's it's very nuanced. It's, it's, it's yeah. very nuanced. And, like, I, I actually applaud Mark in this moment for uh, not capitulating to what would be the very obvious pressure to just say, like, yeah, you're 100% right. Let's ship the kid off. Like, because there's a very, like, for a guy who takes the path of least resistance when it comes to his relationships virtually every time, like, you would expect that everything that we know about Mark as a dad and a husband up to this point, if he's been already presented with an out of, like, no, just ship her back to St. Louis. Jen will take her back. I feel like a different Mark Green or an earlier Mark Green would have just said like, yeah, just go back to St. Louis. Let's just wait for this all to blow over. You know, we'll try again next summer. Uh, but no, he actually like kind of sticks up for Rachel a little bit and is like, you know, I, I love that line read of like, oh, I was down here talking to the evil daughter. Like I just, I like that he doesn't immediately fold to the pressure even though he knows that Rachel fucked up. He still is not going to just completely throw her under the bus and let Lizzie have what she wants in this very emotional moment that she has every right to want, but might not be the most, you know, might not be ultimately the right decision, I think. So, I don't know. It's it's complicated, you know? Family drama. Who knew? Go figure. Uh, but uh, from one complicated situation to another, we go to uh, Joyce, uh, who is now being talked to by the police and is uh, denying everything, telling the police that Brian didn't hurt her. Uh, and she begs Abby not to tell them. And 
you know, Luca says that they're going to try to find her a shelter. And she tells her that, you know, if you go back now, you're just telling him that it's okay to do this to you. And it's not okay. And it's particularly upsetting that this is the last time we see Christina Hendricks character. Like seriously. Yeah. Like the, the involvement for the rest of the episode is between Abby and Brian and Luca and Brian. We don't see Christina Hendricks character anymore after this, nor do we ever see her again. This is her last appearance. So it's a particularly like bleak and dire spot to leave that character in, I think. Only a lot. Hey. The whole storyline has just sucked. I mean it's it, it, it's like, as somebody put it in one of the listen one of the many listener responses we got about this episode, uh, as somebody put it, is it particularly like is it a good moment? No, but is it a good TV moment? Yes. Like it's it, it, it does make for good television, but it is a very upsetting storyline. Yeah, it's just been really hard to watch. Yeah. Like and I've never thankfully I've never been in a an abusive relationship quite like this, but just like even just even just having been in a tiniest glimpse glimpse of an abusive relationship just it's like eh, not with lauren lauren's totally cool we love lauren loves me but like with one of my previous exes it's just like just the whole thing just makes me recoil and thankful mm-hmm. that it was just mental abuse right <laughs> And that you physical. were able to get away and move on. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe it's just triggering to me. Could be. But anyway, uh, let's go to our last audio clip. Kind of early for our last audio clip here, but the rest of the episode's just, just kind of weird and much more visual. Um, uh, actually, wanted to get a little bit of Carter's mom in here. So, uh, Carter tells mom that her car has arrived at Gamma's. Your car's here. I managed to get a flight to Logan, but I'm on standby. Can you imagine? I'll call you from the Cape. I'm sorry, John, I really am. Kids, you know, they get over stuff. I bet if you went back, Mickey would forget about today as quickly as you can down a milkshake. No, you were right. I became too involved. I'm thinking maybe I wasn't right. See that tree? You and your brother built a fort on that big limb, and you played Tarzan. Bobby played Tarzan. I played Cheetah. (laughs) You fell down and you sprained your wrist, and you never even thought about telling me that he pushed you. You knew. You two had your secrets. You stuck together. I saw no reason to pull you apart. I didn't spend much time thinking about how your brother's death affected you. I didn't spend much time on anyone. Do you have time now? I won't betray another little boy. Betray? You don't want to give up hope. You can't. Hope is all either of you have. Your brother believed me when I told him he'd get better. 
It didn't matter where he was, how he felt, what the doctor said. I told him he'd get better. He died believing me. No. He was pretending for you. That was another one of our secrets. I was supposed to not let you be sad. I was supposed to make you forget. To make you happy. He made me promise to make you happy. I'm sorry, Mom. I love you. Do you hear me? I love you. Okay, so I'm going to start by saying, yes, this is a little schmaltzy. Yes, it's a little over the top, but I also want to scream, don't parentify your children. This is what happens when you parentify your children and they think they're responsible for the emotions of other people. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Don't do it, guys. Just don't. Don't. You're not responsible for other people's emotions. Don't do it. No. Am I glad that Carter and his mom have this beautiful healing moment? Sure. Fine. Whatever. His acting is very good up until the mom starts crying and then you completely lose me. But guys, again, other people's emotions are not your responsibility. I've been working on this in therapy for 12 years, so I'm going to say it again a little bit louder for people in the back. You are not responsible for other people's emotions. I could even go halfway across the room and do it, but Daniel, who has to edit this, would scream at me. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my mini rant on this scene. Yay, I'm glad they get some closure, I guess. Cool, but kind of gets a little over the top at the end. Yeah. But I think it does hit some very important character and emotional beats for Carter. But it's a little much. Yeah, they milk it. But you're not they, responsible for other people's emotions. Go ahead. They, they milk it just a little bit too hard at the end there with the crying and the yep. uh, the, the, the the crying and the yelling is a little bit over the top. And I've just like, you know, we, we do have one more scene with Carter's mom. But since this is the last audio clip, you know, I, I feel that this is sort of our, our end of our time with, with Carter's mom. And like... I, I'm trying to like find the right way to describe it because like I feel like for my money this is the best performed storyline that I feel nothing about. Like, <laughs> like that's a that's a great way to like put it. I yes. I really like her as an actress. I really like the perform and I, I think it's I think what it is because I like her in other things. I don't really think I like her in this because like her her, her as much as I enjoy the like over-the-top waspiness of the character. I do think she sometimes lays it on a little bit thick, particularly in this scene. Like, the way she pronounces Tarzan just makes me want to, like, vomit. Like, it just makes me want to dry heave. I just don't... I have a very visceral reaction to her in this scene. So, like, I like the actress. I like... And I like what the actress brings out of Noah Wiley. Like, I feel like she's had him step up his game. Um... And yet, this storyline is just so kind of hollow. Like, there's just not much beyond the surface level. Like, and it seems like there should be. And I don't know how you fix it, really. I don't. I don't really know how you bring more depth to this storyline. I think I might know. I, I'm not sure if this would fix it, but I think if we had had before this, if we had had Carter 
maybe have a a normal friend Mm -hmm. or like even in the last season or two after Gampa has died um bond with gamma a little bit more about kind of like how the 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 family dynamics and everything now that he's recovering and living with her Mm -hmm. and like after the funeral and stuff like it would be a great chance for the two of them to come together we get a little bit little bit more insight from carter's side of things Mm. before this is all suddenly put in our face like yeah i know we knew a little bit about it yeah but like to really just like and it wouldn't even have to be many scenes but just like a sprinkling more over the last Mm -hmm. season just to it's get us here. It's the fact that the central sort of event that this storyline revolves around, the central conflict, is all about how she acted when Carter's brother was dying, who is a character that we have been told about like once or twice, very in passing. Like they have not spent a lot of time telling us about Carter's. We know that Carter had a brother and we know that he died of cancer. That's about it. Like, Carter's brother's death has had virtually no impact on Carter's story up until now. So, like, for it to just suddenly come rushing back in with the mom here and we're supposed to, you know, relive all this trauma, we didn't live it the first time. So, like, we're not reliving anything. We're not – and it's it's hard to see it kind of relive through Carter's eyes with any sort of, like, uh, depth to it because it's just – I don't know. Something about this storyline is just missing. Like it's just, and I I don't know that I would have wanted like cutesy cartoonish uh, flashback scenes and stuff. Like, I don't think I wanted that either, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how you, and and I think your idea, Lauren is probably as good as any. It's at least a start to give some sort of a better frame. I think it's also um, an interesting choice. And I think one that maybe they would have had they not established all this stuff way back in the, well, but I don't know. Like it's it feels it feels weird to have Carter's mom be the one in the storyline and have this adversarial relationship with Gamma, but but she's an in law versus the actual daughter and like you know what I mean? Like there's like there's an opportunity for like a three pronged story there yeah. that is just unrealized and missing because Carter's dad is off doing divorced dad stuff. Like, you know, he's, he's on a golf course somewhere with a stripper. Like, so, you know, he just, (laughs) I mean, I get it. Yeah. So (laughs) in, in, in summation, like love the actress, love what she's able, love the, the elevation that she's able to bring to Noah Wiley's game. But I still find this whole storyline to just be like, kind of eh, like, a missed opportunity to be sure something like Carter's mom and the trauma in Carter's childhood should be a bigger deal than it ends up being. I just feel like they just didn't write her very well. Yeah. Carter's mom. And I think that comes from, they're trying to write her as so iced off and distant that it just comes across that we feel that to the point where it's uncomfortable and unengaging as viewers. Whereas that's to the point where I just do not care about this woman at all. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Shall we go to the even worse part? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> I liked I liked that I get to do this. Okay. Um I can do it if you No, want. I got it. I got it. So we Abby is now home from the ER in her bathrobe on the phone talking to somebody. She hears the buzzer ring, so she goes and buzzes it, obviously. And when she goes to open the door, it's Brian with her takeout food. Cause he took it from the driver. And he was like, oh, I, you know, I knew you wouldn't open the door otherwise. Never a good start to a conversation. If you hear somebody say that, you shut the door. Mm-hmm. Just 
Not blaming Abby here, but I'm just saying future red flag check. If you hear somebody say, I knew you wouldn't let me in. Just don't let them in. Close the door. Back them out. But um, so he takes the food from the delivery guy to get into her apartment. Um, he pulls the whole like, oh, I know I need help. I just want to tell her I'm sorry if you can let me know where she is. She just needs to know I never meant to hurt her. Um, Abby's not going to tell him anything. Tells him to leave. Uh, she threatens him saying she'll call the cops, picks up the phone to do it. He's like, okay, I'll go. He walks out and she locks the door. She goes to walk away. He knocks. She unlocks it to look at him and like tell him to go away. And he breaks in and he beats her. We only see her get like knocked to the floor. We don't see the full extent of it but yeah thank we, god they didn't show all of it Holy the, the foley for what they do show is awful but um we come back from commercial to her waking up um again the makeup and prosthetic work in this episode is insane i'm not gonna go into details but she wakes up she's a mess she's very disoriented um the cops arrive as she's trying to take care of her face because she had hit 911 before he had actually that attacked her. That was a response. If, yeah. If you're not on the other end of that line, they send someone. Yeah. So. Sever- and there's several things about this. Number one, um, do they ever, like, I, I can't remember. I'm, I'm like, I can, I can unfortunately visualize just about every part of the scene except for this one particular detail. Do they ever make clear who she's on the phone with at the beginning of the scene? No, I think she's just chatting with somebody. Because I feel like based on um, previous episodes, I feel like there is a better than 50% chance that she's on the phone with Maggie. And that could very well be. Yeah. yeah. Which makes it like extra kind of shitty and upsetting um they also they also kind of linger on the fact that she's carrying around a wine glass and puts that down just you're right so they they they're they're sort of doing a little bit of like hey by the way don't forget she's still she's relapsed like so that that little thing gets kind of sprinkled in there thank you i didn't even like put that together because i was so afraid of what was about to happen yeah and then the other thing is the tea kettle the tea kettle. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I thought I remember. Yeah, tea the kettle. tea kettle is oh a God. really upsetting soundtrack to this scene. Like it for such a like mundane sound. Like it, it you know, it, it's. I mean, it's meant to be obnoxious. Sure, so no, 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 absolutely. But like it's it, it's it's just coming to a boil as this is all kicking off, and then it's continue continuously going as she wakes up. You know, and and I don't know. It's just it's an excellent choice. You know, rather than yeah. having you know this bombastic score under t- underscoring everything, just using something like a tea kettle to do it is I-, I think a really slick way to do that. But just, ugh. it's something, it's something you see or something rather you hear in a lot of different scenes from different shows or different movies like this, when someone has gone through something similar. Right. This is not the first, I was saying, this was not the first time that I'd heard something like that. And this certainly wasn't the last. Yeah. Yeah. So, still upsetting every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Not my favorite okay. scene. I'm just gonna say this, Daniel. When we hit the end of this sequence that you're about to talk about, that's where I have thoughts that I want to make sure I right. mention. Well, the, the perfect the perfect segue into the next scene because Lord knows I don't want to talk about the last one anymore. Uh, Susan is talking to Ariel about uh, the dietitian, and Ariel's like, "I know I'm fat. I don't care." And Susan explains uh, that the fast 
fast weight gain can cause health problems. She should lose weight so she can be pretty for boys, which it's like, okay, sure. Uh, Ariel says she, she hates boys. I don't want boys to touch me ever. And then uh, we start getting probing questions from Susan about when Ariel's mom married her stepfather. Uh, She is told three months ago and then they get interrupted by Luca. Uh, leaving this storyline completely hanging like this storyline this storyline goes nowhere like we, we get this this big illusion this big revelation that this uh this little girl is probably being abused uh and it doesn't like go any further than this which you know but lauren you have a, you have additional thoughts as much as i love susan um i get really upset with her in this episode for how she talks to this little girl mm-hmm. like i i understand saying hey fast weight gain at your age can cause health problems that's important that can happen especially when you're young and growing that ca- that that can be a danger like it's not the end-all be-all cause of problems that everybody likes to say it is but it it can be an issue but the minute she goes well you know you want to look pretty for boys you're going to be in high school and you should be pretty and pretty is being thin. Like, and now that girl will internalize it forever. Thank you. You are not Fuck being you, helpful. Susan. Like it's, it's, it's just that that's the kind of stuff I'm still unlearning. Yeah. <laughs> so I get really mad when I see TV shows do this and I understand, you know, it's, it was the thought at the time. It was way before, sure. um, you know, we had realized just how much, shit like this could affect eating disorders and everything. But just having several people in my life that I'm very close to having been affected by eating disorders, I'm so much more aware of shit like this. Mm-hmm. And it drives me so mad to hear Susan talk like this because we know she's better than this. Yeah. So I'm glad she at least catches on and is like, oh, oh. But yeah, I just, when I got to when I got to that line about like, you should, you should be pretty. It's like, oh, you fucking don't. <laughs> Sorry, that's all. I just that was my that was my second rant for the episode. I'm done. Fair enough. I have a lot of feelings. Yeah. Well, still don't want to talk about this next scene either. Uh Abby comes into the ER. She's being checked on by Luca and Susan. And Luca asks if it was the guy that came here today that beat her, and Abby confirms that it was in fact her neighbor. And she asks for a gown because they're poking and prodding at her and she's still in her uh robe from home. And Luca orders different tests and Vicodin or Tylenol for her. And Abby, Abby says no narcotics. So at least she's trying to stay away from that stuff. Yeah, I guess trying to set some even some sort of boundary. Yeah, even if she's drinking again. Um, then they ask if she was potentially ass- sexually assaulted, and she is not sure. Great. Yep, love it. Fun times were had by all. Um, but then we go over to Mark sitting up in the PICU with Ella and Lizzie comes in, comes back in to check on them. She tells him sympathetically to go home. He looks exhausted and he says, you know, we need to talk because he wants to talk to her about what happened today with his tongue and with the, you know, forgetting, forgetting solumedrol and everything. Like he wants to talk to her about this concern about a recurrence. She thinks he wants to talk about Rachel more and is like, nope, just go home, sleep it off. We'll talk about it later. Great. Cool, cool, cool. Mm. Um, And then we go over to Susan doing Abby's pelvic. There are no signs of assaults. Susan asks about Brian. Um, 
yeah, she was just like, just, you know, kind of chatting about what the fuck happened. Uh, she has a nasal fracture, not displaced, so it's not going to take anything special to heal. Uh, tests are normal. Susan says, it could have been much worse. And then again, Susan, you're 0 for 2 this episode. She says, you should be careful about getting in the middle of these things. Susan, you're 0 for 2. Come on, my girl. You're better than this. Swing what the fuck? Swing and a miss. Swing and a miss. Um, but she does ask if Abby has somewhere she can stay tonight. And Abby's like, no, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. It's fine. I can get a hotel, whatever. And... Susan just is like, no, I have a pullout couch. You're going to come stay at my place. It's free and it's safe. You're coming and staying with me. Just kind of end a discussion. And Abby finally caves and is like, okay, fine. But then uh, Lucas says that Abby's head CT is cleared. And uh, he, he says, can you, he asks Susan if she can cover so he can go home and unpack his rage into another right. human being. Gonna go home and unpack these hands. <sighs> but let's go to happier Yay. news. I would argue the best we? news. Well, yeah, because, you know, hashtag Team Jerry rises from the grave. And we did, and Susan says, yay, we did catch up, and we got a, we got a professional behind the desk, and it's Jerry. Uh, I want to know that Jerry's tooting his own horn and says, yeah, we've got a professional behind the desk. And I, like, it's framed so perfectly because the shot is, like, through the clear board, and it's mm-hmm. it's Susan. And it just pivots. It's Susan having one of those moments, you know, that, that I love so much when, like, you're on the other side of the chaos, and she's, like, kind of proud of herself, and she's like, oh, man, we did catch up. And then you just hear his voice. You don't even see him in frame yet. You just hear his voice. And when I tell you the sound that left my body when I was watching this episode, when I heard his voice, I our boy is home. After 57 long episodes, he's finally home. Like, ah, uh, I just, mm, chef kiss. Love, love our boy. So happy to have him back. Thank you for reminding me. I need to put a Team Jerry sticker on the new recording computer. I knew it was missing yeah. something. Mm. Now is a good time to subscribe. Patreon.com slash Tone podcast. Last, Be part of Team Jerry. Last time we saw yeah. our boy was the end of season five. It's been that End of long? season five. No Jerry in six, no Jerry in seven, and no Jerry in the first half of season eight. So, like, he missed Lucy's death. He missed he, – he completely missed Malucci, Cleo, and, like, the first half of um, – uh Kovac like he's he's missed so much like it has been a minute since our boy has been here yeah but he's been temping since he got out of retirement and Susan was like yeah you should go you should go (laughs) home now because he was eating the thrown away cream cheese he's like yeah somebody threw out this perfectly good spread sweet sweet baby Jerry like he like he never left and I'm glad they sprinkle this in towards the end because with how heavy this episode is, oh. it was so nice just to have this little moment where we we're like, ah! Ten, 10 out of 10. No notes. Like, this is just chef kiss perfection. I love it. Uh, well, here we go. Uh, <laughs> we then go to uh, the what some members of the listening audience might call the most disturbingly horny scene in the entire uh, episode. What the fuck? Uh, Lizzie, you missed the discord. That's all I'm going to say. Are the straights okay? (laughs) No, we'll talk about it. (laughs) Father, forgive me for I have participated in a discourse. Uh, Luca goes to a bar where he finds Brian, confronts him, and beats the hell out of him. And 
hear that noise, that's panties dropping all over middle America. Uh, Mickey, go back. I don't want to talk about it. Mickey's getting an LP. Carter and Mom are both sitting with him. We get a knowing look of healing between Carter and his mom, and I feel nothing, and by Carter's mom. We will never see her again. Uh She's off to Battlestar Galactica to do. She's gonna gonna go thing. be space president. Uh, we close the episode with Mark back in the creepy birdcage, going in for another MRI, ending on yet another bleak note, as was the style in season eight. Exactly. So, for me, this one is really hard to gauge, like for a rating, because it's such a fucking downer. Yeah, and there's just so much there's so much to hate here like in terms of like storylines and there's so much but there's like but all those storyline like all those like there's so many good moments mm-hmm. so. i'm i'm giving it a seven and a half for exactly that reason there are so many good beats and so many important emotional milestones we hit but god it's a bummer yeah yeah this is not one i would rewatch. no no, no. unless we were doing you all, this is this is the only this. Uh, this is an episode that you only watch uh if you have to like if you as part absolutely of a have watch to. or yeah yeah it's uh not uh, except for Jerry coming back that I can play that on a loop in my head for just fast forward right. to the end that that 30 sec which I did use that as the clip of the episode just so that I can do that I can of course you <laughs> I did. can just go watch that scene whenever I want and not have to watch the rest of the episode which the episode itself like at th- seven out of seven and a half eight I think is a perfect range for it yeah but because uh, the stuff they get right they get really right and there's there are a few things that they get wrong ish but it's mostly just like stuff that again like Carter's mom stuff like very well performed. It just makes me feel nothing. Um, Before I read the listener responses, I just want to address, because we had a very, very uh, spicy conversation happen (laughs) surrounding the the mixed reaction people had to Luca beating Brian up. Now, I will say this. From the standpoint of, yes, this guy's an asshole, and I absolutely think he deserves it. Good boy Luca on that standpoint, Mm. fine. Especially because that beating was not as visceral as I remembered it. Yeah. Um, But at the same time... Like we said, we were joking around a little bit that the fact that it's not just, yes, good boy Luca moving on. Uh, I, I don't know how to say this. You, you all have seen the Facebook posts. Um, maybe. just <laughs> So, yeah, I mean. We, 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 dis, we politely disagreed with the people who went on to say that this was the sexiest Luca had ever been. I'll put it that right, way. Right, which was a, a sentiment shared to varying degrees of intensity across almost all of our social media uh, presence. Like it was, it was a, it's a sentiment that I've heard repeated over and over again, some to like really extensive degrees and others to just like, Oh, that was, you know, like that was hot or whatever, you know? And it was just like, okay, did the creep deserve to get his shit kicked in? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Is it cathartic to watch the creep get his shit kicked in on television? Yes. Yes. Um, is, Luca, a character who already has like some PTSD stuff and some like proclivity for for you know being a little quick to violence. Not that that indicates because that that turned into a whole side conversation about does this oh, does this make Luca more likely to be an abusive partner? No, like no. N- none of those things are are true. But like, but just he's a guy who like kind of goes to the hands a little too quickly w- with other dudes and has a little bit of a history. 
And, you know, so like, I'm not mad at him for doing it. I, I just don't think it's a moment that should be like celebrated in that way. If you want to like, if you want to grave dance on the on the creep and be like, yeah, the creep got what was coming to him. Cool. I think that is totally warranted. But finding that whole situation attractive or like being like, ooh, like that gets me all hot and bothered. I'm not. I'm. You, you do you, fam. Like you know, I'm not gonna yuck anybody's yum. Like that's if if that's your if that's what does it for you, then by all means, I'm just gonna sit over here in my corner and go. I think that's a little weird. Like I just I, I just think that's kind of a weird I, application of your uh your vapors. I, I think for me, um, w- what I kind of struggle with is we spend these past three episodes watching the effects of violence watching the effects of battery watching the effects of all of this and yes while it's great to see that creep get his fucking comeuppance it just seems weird to me that because that's not targeted at one of our protagonists that all of a sudden it's to be celebrated yes yeah that's and like yes i know whatever vengeance justice blah 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 but it's just i think that's where i struggle yeah is it's like okay well it's just like a lot of the story i mean it's just it's just like uh the, a little bit of the susan storyline from earlier it sends a weird message like it sends kind of a complicated like like muddled message you know like oh does this girl need to lose weight yeah because it's unhealthy if you're rapidly gaining weight at that age, but then they then they whip a little you know uh, body image stuff on you at the end where you know sends kind of a muddled message. Same thing here, yeah, like I, just muddled sort of takeaways. I've I've accepted the fact that we're gonna have people say that we're too stuck up and this is just like ta- reading too far into it. But just oh yeah, that was no, my knee jerk reaction. 100%. Like I was like. I was like, yeah, great, cool, the guy got what comes to him. But then it was just like some of the discussion afterwards made me just go, are we watching the same episode? Yeah. Well, and that was <laughs> just all. like, so- that was just like, and I, I'm not surprised that like people might try to find something positive to take out of such a dark episode. But like that was sort of kind of the um, immediate response that I got when I right. first opened up the threads was like, everybody. everybody kind of chiming in and just being like, oh, Luca, he was so hot in this episode. And I'm just like, Okay, a lot of really upsetting Dan- things happened in this episode. Daniel, the fact that you had to send it to me and go, Lauren, as a woman who likes men, <laughs> what's your read on this? Right. I was like, I don't know that I'm equipped to <laughs> handle this. Like, I-, I was like, I'm also barely equipped to handle it, but as let, let me see what I can do. So, I'm just here. I was going to say, as as the closest to a token straight woman we have on the show which is laughable in and of itself. Um, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to drag us into that, but it was just, I know it was a hot topic for discussion on this episode Ar- this week. Arguably so just... the most hotly debated response thread I think so, I've ever seen. And, and I saw it in the responses, so I just wanted to address it beforehand so I don't keep editorializing in the comments. With that being said, Lizzie, do you want to read me in? Lauren, what the listeners have to say about it besides <laughs> the horny posting? <laughs> Oh, you know, we didn't have a whose films are those today. No, no, whose films are those? No, oh, hey, it's that guy. There is uh, this, what the oh, very this episode is. This is the Shadow Realm. Right. Okay, the listeners. Valerie Z says this episode really brings home a lot of characters' personal strengths. Mark, Carter, and Luca all shine in their own way. 
As a mother, I would probably feel similarly as Elizabeth if my husband's bratty daughter put my baby in harm's way. However, she's not keeping in mind that, as much as she loves her child, Mark loves his daughter, and it's wrong for her to force him to choose between his children. Yes. I wanted to smack the crap out of Eleanor when she says in such a nasty voice, I won't let you pump that junk in his veins, to her son that she pretty much strong-armed into treating this child. I'm not completely unsympathetic to her as a character, but she's not my favorite and I'm glad she's gone. Luca, the knight in shining armor, bringing home one of the best scenes in the whole series as far as I'm concerned. Just drives home that Abby and he belong together. I don't like the fact that they were sidetracked by Sam and Carter along the way, but it's there. The slow burn. Heather R., Susan to Abby. You should be careful about getting in the middle of these things. Um, a little late for that. But why oh why does Abby, after she locks the door with the chain, crack it open when the abuser knocks on the door again? It's obviously him. I know later she remarks about how maybe she wouldn't have if she'd been... She wouldn't have if she hadn't been drinking, which I think is a nice callback to a plot line. And is the is this another episode where Luca haters are going to point out his violence? Oops. Because the way he delivers the line, you touch her again, I'll kill you, gives off Liam Neeson vibes in a, yeah, violence isn't the answer, but he's a good guy, so I'm totally fine with it kind of way. I actually think the way Luca is in the bar and during Abby's exam is important to their overall story because even though they broke up, we see how much Luca still deeply cares about her throughout the season. Fair. On the green fam, I have to say that I'm always amazed during this story arc with the way the makeup folks make a beautiful Alex Kingston look like absolute death on toast when she's sick with the flu. Also, I missed it last episode, but Rachel saying, careful, you don't want to get her sick, is a really corny way to foreshadow. Like, okay, something bad is definitely going to happen now. I also really liked the line from Mark about the evil daughter referring to Rachel. All these years later, I'm still not sure on, I'm on Team Mark or Team Elizabeth with this, which I think is what makes it such a good storyline. Elizabeth is obviously protective and fearful for her own child, and Mark's caught in the middle of everything. I also thought the writing was so good all around. Like when Rachel tries to apologize and Elizabeth coldly tells her to leave. I guess I do see Elizabeth coming off as a little harsh, especially making Mark choose between daughters. But that's also so much justified emotion in there in the moment. On the tumor return... On the tumor return, when he sticks his tongue out to the side, thinking it was straight, I remember seeing a news story after this episode aired about someone else who discovered they had a tumor this way, saying it saved their life. See? Our favorite TV medical drama really is a lifesaver. Uh, Ad Soph says, Let me just start by saying, this was not a Twinkles episode, yet there were Twinkles. In my one post, in my one past response, I said something to the effect of, Luca, you're being too nice, and dear lord, is Abby in the same situation right now? I get how and why she got involved with Christina Hendricks, but my rewatched self is just screaming into the void. Where's Olivia Benson when you need her? Halfway through, when Luca appears and gets the x-ray or CT from Abby, she gives him the most the most smile before getting back to business, and it made me smile knowing what's coming. I'm going to assume it's most warm or playful smile I, I think there, there was an emoji in there that got lost in ah. the, the copy-paste. Gang, I can't read your emojis. Work with me. Uh, Elizabeth looks amazingly horrible throughout the episode. Kudos to Alex Kingston and the makeup department. 
Another thing that hit me upon rewatch, the last scene with Carter and his mom, he says, I was supposed to keep you happy. And it screamed, oh my gosh, Carter, you have so much trauma and how emotionally twisted he had to grow up. That shouldn't be put on a kid. Hmm. And what we've all been avoiding, the second I saw Brian show up with her takeout, my whole body wanted to curl into itself and I had the biggest sense of dread and oh no. And then he left and she locks her door and I relaxed. Big mistake. Huge. That punch comes out of nowhere, the tea kettle whistling as she opens the door back up, and then as the scene comes back from commercial is chilling. I was so utterly shocked, I didn't know what to do with myself. And then my Discord messages continued to make less and less sense to the people getting them. Because we've all talked ab- enough about the aftermath and Croatian Clooney's death glare, I won't hear, but leave y'all with this. It takes a lot for TV to make me cry. This did it, and the Jerry, and then Jerry showed up, and I started sobbing. And last but certainly not least, we have at the full time dad. Here we are, the beginning of the last lap for Mark Green. The stick your tongue out scene, the ominous musical cue, Susan's mortified stare, the sink cam. It's all beautiful in a mortifyingly tragic sort of way. While his health is spiraling, we also see Mark's domestic life unraveling. Elizabeth is right to a degree, but taking Ella, even if it meant to protect her own, even to, but taking Ella, even if it meant to protect her from wayward Rachel, is unfairly punitive to Mark. And of course, there's also magical reappearance of Mark's scar. We get it. He's a dead you man. You forgot walking. to mention that in that scene. The the scar. I didn't even the notice scar it. does make a reappearance. Speaking of magical reappearances, welcome back, Jerry! After a 57-episode hiatus and not skipping a beat, you don't realize how much the ER misses him until he returns. We get perhaps the only redeemable Carter's mom moment, and yet she makes her one memorable line read come across as low-key comical. Glad that's a wrap. And finally, we get the reappearance of Luca the Croatian Killer Kovac, uh, his MMA name. Is it wrong to assault another person in a public place? Sure, but I can't think of a more deserving toad than Brian White Ike Westlake. Not saying it's right, but is it wrong? Aaron, I think that's the best take on that <laughs> situation we could possibly get. Oh... Uh, we yeah. get, we get, I think we're I think we're good. I think we've talked that uh, point to death. At the risk of belaboring the point any further, I think we should just uh, forego the plugs this week. <laughs> yep. Say thanks for putting up with our bullshit. Uh, Keep us out of any more right, trouble. Uh, <laughs> get into the uh, listener response thread in the Discord if you want to, like you know, weigh in on future topics that I'm sure we will have even worse takes on in the future. Uh, also, I did not mean to open up that can of worms on the Discord, but boy, howdy! Did I mean, I. what is the point of a podcast if not to like pick at some scabs like that and make you think about stuff in a different way? You know, yeah. we'll we'll do we'll do it again same time next week. What do you say? That sounds great, except not really because you have to get back from LA and your adventure. Hey, save that for the March Lounge. Yep. All right, y'all. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great week. Bye.